0: Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode number 80 of
1: The Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show. Inspiring you to live an extraordinary life.
0: Welcome to the show, guys. Hope you're having a great week so far. What have I been up to? It's been a busy week here. Doing uh, a lot of improv classes. It's taking up a lot of my time. So I had to go to an improv show last night. Uh, We have to see two actual shows as part of the improv class. I went to my first show last night. It was very exciting and also terrifying because we have to do our own performance and show at the end of the month, which is going to be, um, I'm not going to tell you the date in case you guys want to come and see me. Uh, but that is going well. So doing improv, really enjoying it, starting to get to know the people a little bit better and starting to flow a little bit better in the in the scenes. So it has been a lot of fun. Uh, heading out to LA this weekend, which is going to be great, working on some new products with a, a business coach out there. So I'm excited to share those with you. And yeah, just busy times. So, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, we've got Machu Picchu coming up first week of August. So, if you guys are interested in that, uh, reach out. It's going to be an awesome time. Six uh, really cool people going down to Peru for a week, hanging out with me and Adam, Quiney. And yeah, super excited about that. So, reach out if you're interested in that. As always, don't forget to leave a review and a rating on iTunes. If you do, uh, I'm going to shout you this book. I'm going to pick one review next week that will win a copy of this. It's called The Daily Stoics by Ryan Holiday. It's a daily uh, little dose of stoicism. I read one every morning, and uh, it really kickstarts my day. So, yeah, please jump onto uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, leave a review for the show, and I will love you guys forever. Uh, let me introduce my guest for today. Uh, let me tell you about Ree Perez. Ree is a seasoned brand strategist, thought leader, and CEO of Branding for the People, which is a leading branding agency that transforms and mobilizes brands for high-growth entrepreneurs who are committed to making a positive impact or social impact on people's lives. And since 2011, Ree's agency has successfully led hundreds of branding engagements around the globe that have impacted millions of people. Ree, <laughs> welcome to the show. What's up, Nathan? Great to be with you again. Good to see you.
1: Good to see you. Uh, you're in Austin now. Yeah, yeah. No, I've uh, been in New York for 26 years, and then uh, did San Diego for four years, and now a cool, hip, fast-growing city of Austin, Texas. Yeah, how's the move been? Are you guys settling in there? It's been phenomenal. It's a great group of entrepreneurs. Great community. Good food. Just lots of uh, lots of things to do. Kind of keeps me keeps me young and fresh and vibrance. <laughs> it shows, it shows. <laughs> um, I want to touch
0: on, uh, how we met briefly because it was through James Butler and, you know, any excuse yeah. to talk about James, I like to kind of keep, uh, his I'm memory alive. Yeah. So, uh, James Butler was a great friend of mine and he also worked with you for a period of time. And, uh, if you don't know, James was a good friend of ours and he passed away in, uh, October last year, and um,
1: yeah, I guess we met at his funeral, right? I'm just trying to. We up. did well. We did call it a his uh, his celebration, a yeah, <laughs> celebration, celebration of, of life. life.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. James was a phenomenal guy. What what was the
1: impact he had on your life? Just briefly. Yeah, interestingly. So I was at the time. I was not looking for uh, you know a coach. And, uh, we met at a conference that I spoke at and, uh, I don't know, he just reached out and, uh, he pitched the idea of working with me. And I was like, huh, I was like, I'm not really looking for this, but, uh, why not? Maybe there's something there. And that's kind of like an interesting sort of quasi whimsical decision that i made for the (laughs) investment that it was, um, But uh, in retrospect, I actually don't regret it because he's made a huge impact on sort of um, you know adding things to a lot of the personal development and growth work that I have done. But um, his impact really helped me remind myself or get to the core of who I am and who I'm not, and also maybe some of the areas that I mean not maybe, but definitely like an area that I sort of uh, sort of brushed under the carpet as something that was in, uh, you know, when you do shadow work, if you've ever done any kind of personal, I'm not you, I know this is your line of work, but for people listening in, if you've ever done any kind of shadow work, you kind of really go, you dig deep and you kind of uncover some things about yourself that, um, you know, good or bad, it sort of uh, has helped you in your life and has probably limited you in some aspects. And so I, I got reminded about that. And that in and of itself Shifted, I guess everything in terms of my context for why I do what I do, who I am, and that some of the decisions, the day-to-day decisions that I might make. So, mm-hmm. um, it was a huge loss, I think, for the world, not just for for me and for you and and Leanne and our friends and his community, but I think it was a huge loss because who he is and who he was and well who he you know who he represents for me is um just the quintessential like integrity masculine feminine energy like growth live your life to the fullest and there's a lot i can go on and on we can have a whole yeah. show things, Butler.
0: <laughs> we can i saw I, I did a on this podcast i did an interview with him in the the, the two-year anniversary of the episode just popped up on my my memories last week it's kind of a nice moment
1: Yeah, I listened to that. It was uh, emotional just kind of hearing him uh, in his interview.
0: But it's nice. I feel like, um, you know, having conversations like this keeps him alive. And, you know, no doubt, like all coaches, there's probably like phrases or words or things that he said to you that pop up in your head (laughs) from time to time. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Guys, if you're just uh, tuning in, we're just talking with Ree Perez, Ree's a branding expert. So if you have any questions on branding uh, as we go along, don't hesitate to uh, throw them in the comments and we can either get to them now or if you're watching the replay, I'm sure Ree will be happy to come back and answer those questions uh, later. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, a lot of people listening to this are new entrepreneurs or trying to start their own business. So before we dive into the branding stuff, can can you give us like the the two-minute rundown of your journey into entrepreneurship? Some of the maybe the the highlights the
1: tuning points of your tuning, the, the, the the highlights tuning part. Part. yeah, well, you know i'll I'll try to be as succinct as possible, but uh, you know I've been in branding for I suppose over twenty five years if I really think about the math of it, but for quite some time, but uh, you know ins and out, and you know I've had um, I sort of fell into it to be honest, you know, I've always been fascinated and interested in sort of perception and how you know, how people perceive you and how that influences impacts the decisions that they make um, in connecting with you or or whatnot. So because, you know, if we get into this, but you just my own personal journey is like just dealing with my own self-perception and my perception in the world and how I've always been different uh, in any circle that I'm in and just kind of wondering what that was about. And so, I don't know, I think things led me to this path of into branding and I Got kind of recruited by a like a former mentor of mine in branding, and I worked for his a small boutique branding firm. And anyway, through a series of events, kind of led me to working at the, one of the top global branding firms, and had the opportunity to work with a lot of really smart, some of the brightest branding professionals in the industry, working on Fortune 500 companies and like high-profile businesses. And my last post, you know, sort of uh, I got laid off from a couple of the positions that I was at. Uh, through corporate resizing or restructuring, or whatever you want to call it. But I'm thankful that it did because then my my last post, I was actually still in New York and uh, they were asking me if I wanted to come in full-time at this one consulting firm. And I was like, I don't actually want to live here anymore. I don't want to come on full-time. And I think that was just my, my soul or whatever just kind of telling me like something else is out there for me. But I didn't know exactly what it was. And I got this position in, they said, well, what about working in Dubai? And I was like, why not? <laughs> let me go live internationally and work in Dubai. And anyway, through a series of events, I just, um, that position didn't ultimately work out. I went through a series of personal, life changing events that led me to take uh, about six months off and come back to New York and just figure out life and figure out what I want to do. And I know it's something around branding. Like uh, there's nothing that I disliked about branding. I, th- I think I just, just lost the passion for working for the kinds of brands that I was working with. And through a series of like journaling and meditating and personal development and spiritual retreat in, in Sedona, Arizona, is I um, I just got clear on, on creating my own agency and uh, eliminated the fear around starting my own company. And I wanted to work with brands that were making... A positive social or economic impact in other people's lives. And that led me to the concept of branding for the people. Yeah, very cool. And obviously, your company is very successful now, doing very
0: well, growing all the time. But imagine in Sedona, at the time, you have this idea, you reconnected to branding, you confronted some of the fears about starting a business, but you didn't know it was going to be, I'm guessing, where it is now. So, I had no idea. Yeah. It started with, uh, I just love these moments where you had the seed and the idea and you kind of knew where to go. And it's cool to see that it's actually worked. But how did
1: you get through that initial period, the initial fear, growing it? Oh, man. You know, so the part that I didn't tell in that story, which, you know, I share sometimes, but, you know, I don't want the focus to be on it because for someone who doesn't know me, they might just... They might not understand sort of the depth of how this impacted me, but I I went through like a personal uh, breakup and someone I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with, right? And, and It's not a very good story. It's a semi <laughs> <starts, so. laughs> Yeah, And I was like, at the time in Sedona, I was mostly there to just heal and to just sort of deal with that and understand why this particular breakup just shook me to my core and I just, you know, I was in a lot of pain, you know, as Eckhart Tolle might say, it's like your pain body sort of, it was like a pain body relationship. Um, I believe that's the term. And so I think the the fear was mostly around what am I doing with my life and is this the right path and should I go down this path? And so it was definitely tough, but I think once I got clear on, okay, listen, I just need to take one step forward and then the next step and then the next step uh, towards this this vision that I had, like I didn't need to know. I didn't need to figure out everything. I just needed to just take the next step. And so that's exactly what I did. And and I think that's one way in general to sort of just get past through your fears is just to take action because action begets action. So that's really how I dealt with it. I just put my emotions aside and just took action. That was one. And then the other thing too was just surrounding myself with, The energy that I needed to be around. And so I could have easily went through a downward spiral and just like victimized myself. You know, I still allowed myself to to heal and cry and all that sort of stuff, but I mostly surrounded my space with positive energy, people who supported me, family that uh, championed me. And that helped me get through all of that to then just be saying, okay, when you're at like what seems to be like ground zero for yourself, there's nowhere to go but up. And so I think that's sort of what was the driving force. Mm. And how close is it? So the, the vision that
0: the company has now, or the mission, let's say, that the company has now, how close is that to the, the
1: kind of the thing you were trying to create when you first started this dream that you had? I think it's expanding. I think there was a moment about a, a year or two ago where it sort of dipped a little bit, you know, I, you know, I'd love to say that everything was just went like up this way, but I think there was a little dip in terms of getting off track mm-hmm. with the original vision. And you know, without going into the details of why, then that's less relevant. But it's just, I think that happens. That could happen if you're not staying true to yourself. And the one thing I will say around that is that, um, you know, I, I'm sure you can relate to this, but uh, you know, integrity is my highest value. And so, when there are some things in your business, or how you're going about doing business, or the people that you're working with, or the clients that you're working with, when there's something that's out of integrity, it ultimately never really works. <laughs> so you really need to make so sure the that business, all the people. That, that's right. That's right. And so you have to go back and just what they say is like restoring integrity and putting integrity back into all aspects of your life, and that sort of opens up things or clarifies things. And then for me, that was just about getting reconnected back to why I started the company. And, you know, I went through some organizational shifts recently uh, last year, which prompted me to sort of get grounded in, you know, what's happening with, with clients and entrepreneurs. And that sort of reconnected me back to why I started the company. So. We're still consistent. And if anything, I'm really on a trajectory of just expanding that vision to more people. And I would say more entrepreneurs, more business owners, but more people. Because I think at the core of really what I'm out to create is, is transformation, is people not living their life in fear but also people living their life fully in authenticity. And I think while that might be an overused word in some circles, but if you really just pay attention to that word and that concept and that uh, mindset of just being purely authentic, I think it applies to everyone. And I think businesses, uh, people uh, in general, could really use a good dosage of reminding themselves to be exactly who they are and exactly who they're not. Yeah, and this is why I love you so much and why I wanted to have you on here because it's you talk about
0: branding from a place that I haven't heard before, which does come from this underlying sense of how to be authentic, you know, for yourself and how to bring something authentic to the world. But then on the other side, also to do that so that it has social, you know, change or social impact. So I think we're very aligned in both those ways. And authenticity is really where my business starts, you know, that's working with people, it's all about finding their truth, you know getting them to be really honest about themselves and then owning what they truly want. It's all about authenticity.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could relate too, because right, you, you went through a similar journey. Yeah. Right. Uh, And I think you wouldn't be doing the work that you're doing now had you not got reconnected back to what's authentic to you.
0: Yeah. That was the hardest thing. I mean, I went through a bad breakup as well and started working with a coach after that. And It's funny how the breakup led to a shift in business, you know, for both of us. But it kind of, the the breakup forced me to look at every part of my life, you know, because just a lot of assumptions I had, and probably the same as you, a lot of assumptions I had, I was now kind of uncertain about. And so one of the hardest things, and I've mentioned this a thousand times on the show, but, you know, for me was trying to be honest about my career and not working for me. And I mm-hmm. think I'm an optimist. I'm very positive. So I can always find the positive in everything. And sometimes that can have an impact, right? Yeah. So the authentic thing was to go, okay, you can be positive about it. But what's, you know, if we were getting really honest, like, what's well, the truth? The truth was, it wasn't serving me. Mm. Uh, and that there was, I felt there was a greater purpose. So there was something more aligned that I could be doing with my life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's awesome.
0: was a good segue, right? Into, into what you do. And I'd love you to just talk a little bit more about how you see branding and just the you know, sort of different philosophy you have around branding, personal development, authenticity. A lot of different definitions of branding. I think people are unclear about it.
1: There are. I mean, listen, branding is sort of a, it's a very broad term. It's a very catch-all term. Right. You know, kind of like how AI is a very, very broad term right now, like it can cover the full spectrum of things. You know, how I've been trained and what the definition that I use in my career is uh, that your your brand is a desired perception. And you don't own your brand, it resides in people's minds. And so therefore, branding is a process for influencing and creating the desired perception that you want. And that's distinct from marketing, which we'll get into. But you know, it's about really creating the desired perception that you want. I think the other part that I don't always talk about, which kind of seeds into just my own philosophy of things, is that before you can create a desired perception in the marketplace, you have to have that same perception of yourself first. And they work hand in hand because anyone can sort of give you the best branding, make you look however you need to look. If you need to look high end, if you need to look influential, if you need to look, I don't know, approachable, whatever the adjectives are, if you need to look a particular way, I think the real power is that when it's actually consistent with who you see yourself to already be, then if you're not doing that, then I call that false advertising or false marketing. You're presenting something to the outside world. And then when they come into the house and they come into the living room, it's like, wait, where am I? You know, and this is not consistent. And, and that's one way to sort of hurt your brand uh, is to create that inconsistency. So, anyway, yeah, that, does my, that... Does that come from a desire of going,
0: you know, I don't I don't want to be seen, I don't want the true me to come out. I want to put this image out into the world. I want to kind of make up this image.
1: I think there's a couple things that might be going on in, in my view. I think, uh, I don't know that there's one specific thing, but some of the top reasons why people might do that. And maybe we've all done that to some degree, right? But it's being sure. aware of like the what the driving force is. I think one of the reasons is Sometimes it's a matter of wanting to not exactly like fake it till you make it, but like create a brand that, that pulls you into action, that lifts you up. Yeah. Like it gets you to like the next level and ostensibly all of us should be wanting to get to the next level, but that level should be consistent with your journey, not to sell to the next level that might be representative of someone else, for example. So I think there's that aspiration of creating something that, uh, that is not exactly all of who you are yet but is who you are, you just need to step into it. Mm. Um, That's one. I think one, I don't particularly care for this approach or reason why, but I think sometimes it's very easy to get clouded by what the gurus and what the experts and what really successful people before you have uh, demonstrated. And I, I think sometimes people aspire to be like that and to change their brand so they can mimic or they can, flat out sometimes copy what someone else is doing. And so they want to have that same level of success and they want to take some shortcuts. And so they change their branding to create the perception that they're like that. Um, The reason I don't like that is because that's that person's journey may not necessarily be yours. But I think the other reason why, you know, someone would do that is, well, I think it's just a matter of um, allowing themselves to be seen and being okay with, or actually one of the reasons why they won't do it is because their fear of like how they would be perceived and how people would judge them. But what I always say in that context is when you're truly being yourself and you're truly being authentic, it doesn't freaking matter if people love you or hate you. In fact, you're going to have that. It just gets bigger. There's more people that hate you the bigger you get or the more influence or impact that, that you have. It's inevitable you know, that people, not everyone's going to love you. The other thing that I say around that is that's when you kind of know you're building a really good brand. When you, your personality is so strong and your point of view is so clear that people know exactly where you stand and exactly who you are and who you're not. And so they have a choice to be able to say, oh, I love this person or I don't. It's when people are in the middle is when people are kind of on the fence, when they're in the context of how can I be liked by everyone, that's where it gets a little muddy, where people don't necessarily know what they're buying. They just know that you're a nice person. Mm. Do you understand? What I, Does that make yeah. sense? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and I'm interested
0: to hear, like, define to, to this a little bit more. But it's what I felt for myself as I'm looking at my customer and thinking, like, what does my ideal customer want? And how can I... Let me just exaggerate. But how can I pretend to be that brand because I know that's what my customer values? Right. Um, and you're kind of saying, okay, well, instead of being over there, you're starting over here on the personal side
1: or the business side. That's right. Mm. That's right. You know, because, you know, and like I said, all of us have done self-included, right? Have done some degree of wanting to portray yourself in a particular way such that you're maybe liked or maybe accepted or maybe even just... Uh, You know, if you want to win a client, for example, that you want to put your best foot forward, like I get all of that. But I think when it becomes the driving force of the context of why you want a client or why you want a relationship or why you want to connect with someone, you know, I think that's where you can fall into a trap. Because, and I said this recently, I even have to tell prospects, um, I even told my team, we had a team retreat last year. It's like, I'm actually not interested in being liked by you. Like, I'm not interested in being loved by you or like, that's never my context. And don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm out to be an asshole or it's not like I'm out to be disliked by my team or my clients. That's just not my context. And I can say this with you because you're in the coaching personal development space. It's my context is what I'm committed to. And if you think about all the leaders, the world leaders or people who are up to something, they have a commitment And that becomes the context. And when you're in your commitment, it doesn't matter if you're being liked or not. It's what you're committed to is what's driving your actions. And so I'm committed to my team. I'm committed to the vision of the company. I'm committed to my clients. I'm committed to what my clients come to me and tell me what they're looking for. They're looking to build a brand that's authentic. They're looking to grow their business. They're looking to whatever the goals are. It's like, all right, if that's your commitment and you're committed to working with my agency to help you, sometimes I might tell you things that you might not want to hear. And I think that's how everyone should be. Like, just be real with me. Like, even on our conversation right now, what I love about our conversations, we're just real with one another. You know, put all the BS aside, and we're just real with another. And I can count on you to, you know, call me out on things. Not because, you know, you're being an asshole. It's not because you're, you're probably committed to people around you living their best life, living an extraordinary life. And whenever you see something that is short of extraordinary, you probably call them out on it. Yeah. So anyway. Not just... On brand. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Someone uh, said to me last week, after our show last week, they are like, oh, do you ever worry about clients or potential clients hearing you like share so vulnerably, like your weaknesses or like, you know, because I'm very <laughs> honest on the show. And I was yeah. like, no, because that's, that's not my commitment. My, my commitment is not to pretend to be someone for my potential clients. My commitment is to, all I'm thinking about when I come on here is how can I be vulnerable and how can I stay connected to my guest? Yeah. That's it. That's my commitment. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's that the difference is between being loved and being respected. And that's what I felt when you were talking. I was like, okay, yeah, I, I get. The goal is uh, not to be liked or loved by everyone. But I know because you're attached to that commitment,
1: you'll get a lot more respect. People will respect you. Yeah. You know, there's a chart that I sort of modified from a David Ogilvy chart, and I sort of modified and adapted to, to tell the story that speaks to what we're just talking about. Uh, sort of imagine a, uh, a grid, right? Like a two by two grid. And on the X axis, uh, on one side of the spectrum, it is conflicting values. And then the other side of the spectrum is shared or aligned values. And then on the Y-axis is um, impact, like high impact versus low impact. And the reason I'm framing this whole chart for you guys is because you can populate all four of those quadrants. Um, If you think about on the bottom left, it would be sort of conflicting values and low impact. These are brands that we ignore. Right. If you have conflicting values, you know, value system with a brand... And you're on well, the upper left, the or, it, just to make that real. Uh, brands that we ignore, just brands that don't oh, really get like conflicting value. What would be an example? <laughs> well, let's see. Let me pick another example besides uh, politics. But let's just say integrity wasn't your value. Then I'm not going to align myself with a brand that doesn't also value integrity. Right. I don't support brands that don't value treating their employees fairly. They don't support brands that don't value diversity and acceptance of all sorts of people, whatever their preferences, identity, uh, societal identity markers are. So that would be like, you know, if that's not a value of mine, I'm not going to support that brand. But they don't really impact me. Like they don't do anything. They're they're not really solving my problems, my day-to-day problems. So these are brands that they're just really not in my awareness. I just ignore them. They don't influence me. They don't do anything for me. And I'm not really, their values contradict with mine. But let's just say that they, they also have contradicting values, but they have like a high impact on me. Like they're in my face, they're very pervasive, but it's a negative impact. And these are brands that I hate to use a strong word, <laughs> right? It's like, ah, oh, I just hate these brands. They're so not aligned with who I am. And they're making such an impact, a negative impact on me. On the bottom right quadrant, if you if you can think about the spectrum that I just created, um, which points to what you just said, Nathan, which is there might be brands that you have a deep connection with on the level of values and, and beliefs and and you have shared values, but they might not be solving your problems. They might not be having an impact on you. So these are brands that you just might respect, right? Like I respect that brand because I believe in what they're up to and I believe their manifesto but they're not really, like I might not be the target audience or not really solving my problems. So these are brands that I respect. And it's the upper right quadrant, which is where I say the, the goal would be is to, with your tar- target audiences, is have a, align yourself with other people and other brands that have the same shared ethos, the same shared value system as you, and that also have a high impact on you that solve your problems. And these are brands that we love. So it's either you're a brand that people ignore, you're a brand that people hate, you're a brand that people respect or a brand that people absolutely love. And that's where you get your raving fans.
0: Yeah, beautiful. So if we take that then, is that where you try to take people? Like if someone comes
1: in the door, that's where you're trying to get them to? You know, I think that's just one tool that we, yeah, I would say in short, that's one of the one of the things that added to like uh think of it as um there's lots of tools in the branding toolkit sure uh, that's that's one of them is obviously creating a brand and you know knowing that uh you're creating a brand that that your ideal target audience is absolutely love for sure, yeah, what is your process? so if I walk
0: in the door and I say, "Hey, I think I need a brand, uh do I need a brand? Does everyone need a brand? How would you start with my brand?" <laughs> What is the process that
1: you would work with someone? Well, okay. So let's say you walked in the door. Um, no. <laughs> like, uh, Value is not aligned. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So I think the first part is, uh, you know, as Simon Sinek talks about the uh, start with why, you know, I always like to say, like, why does someone want to build a brand? From my perspective, like, of course, it's self-serving for me to say that everyone needs a brand. But um, let me just sort of get a little more context to that. But uh, sure, everyone can benefit from branding and the process of it. But when people walk through my door, my virtual door, or on a call, I ask, why do you want a brand? And what I'm listening for is they want to build a brand because either they're driven by fame, money, or impact. And so... For me, I kind of look for more so the impact part. Now, don't get me wrong. Will certain brands make you more, when you're making impact, will that make you a bit more famous? Will that make you a lot more money? Sure. But it's the overarching higher often. That's right. So I kind of look for why someone wants to build a brand. If it's just to make something look prettier, or, and the other, I'm sorry, the other thing, this actually is really a better way to frame it, but I also ask people what, What is it that they want by way of branding? And is it uh, they just want a logo? Because branding is so much more than a logo. Um, I I just talked about branding being a a perception. And that really is a multi-sensory, multi-layered way of being, in my mind, rather than just uh, getting a logo, getting a website. And like you need all these tools. But um, it's really about shifting your whole way of being, in my mind. I know this sounds, for someone who's looking for like hard, like I can give you like the hardcore aspects of the process of branding, but I think it first starts with the mindset around branding or the philosophy around branding. And for me, it's like, it's the whole having versus being. Like you can have a brand or you can just be your brand. And um, being a brand, I think, is, in my opinion, those are the brands that are a bit more successful because they're not trying to be anything other than just exactly who they are. Do we all have like, do I have a brand now, even though I have never thought about having a brand? You do. So let's just say you have a brand by default. So everyone has a perception in the marketplace or around the people that they're communicating to by default. And you may have been in Intentional or unintentional about it, but it's when you take a step back and you consciously define how is it that you want to be perceived in the world, then you're being more intentional about your brand. You're being more intentional about that desired perception. So yeah, that's a great question. It's like, yeah, you already have a brand, even though you've never thought about it. The difference is, is how much is the perception that you have the right one? or the one that is the fullest expression of all of who you are. Yeah, because I might have a brand, but I might not be showcasing
0: everything about me. I might not be fully (laughs) showing, yeah, some of the parts that I say are really
1: important, but I'm not actually expressing those. Yeah, and the beauty of it, Ethan, is it really is, uh, you know, maybe there's other layers of you that that needs to come out at different times, but the beauty of it, it's like an ongoing inquiry of... um, Seeing if the perception, if everything that you're saying, everything that you're doing, and that getting the perception that you want in the marketplace. And you kind of have to just have to pay attention to find out, maybe even ask, how do people perceive you? You know, and do a self-evaluation to see it's like, wow, um, people are creating a perception of me. And that is either consistent or inconsistent or a fraction of all of, of how I want to be perceived. So it's kind of like this ongoing dialogue that you're having with yourself and the people in the world that you're communicating to. Mm, Yeah, it's interesting. I think if I think about my own
0: brand, I'm very clear and I think I'm very, uh, I know what my values are. I'm very self-aware. But I think I probably do like try to be the everyman Mm. too much. And I think I dilute my brand or I do try to be liked. So I think for me, my brand, it would be more about highlighting some of the things that I think would probably be a little bit more polarizing. Mm.
1: Yeah, that feels a bit scary to me. It can be because uh, for all of us, right, uh, to some degree, we all have some survival mechanisms, of, you know, Yeah, and yeah, whatnot. The the <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I think just being aware of like, wow, you know, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier, just about context and what you're committed to, because if your commitment was everyone in the world living an extraordinary life, for example, right? It's you're not being fully responsible for who you are when you hide certain things, right? When you're not allowing yourself to have your point of view be loud and clear because someone's out there waiting to, you know, that sort of like interrupts the listening, as they say, or it breaks through the the noise of everyone else just kind of saying the same old, same old. And you have a point of view. And, and it wants to be heard.
0: Yeah, and my definition of an extraordinary life is very different to a lot of other people's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was looking at some of the politics in the news this morning and yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, people really do think very differently to what I do. Yeah, yeah, and so it is. It's, it's kind of... I can't remember the word you use, but it's kind of dishonest to say if you want everyone in the world to live an extraordinary life. Because one, you don't know what everybody's version is. Probably that in not align with your definition or your values. And mm-hmm. there are probably a lot of people that, well, if we're looking at the world, there's a lot of people that are massively in poverty or struggling in third world countries. Is that truly where I want to commit my brand to? Is that if I'm right. encompassing everyone? So right. yeah, you're probably there is probably like a innocent dishonesty to it. Yeah, maybe dishonest might be a little bit of a strong. Maybe yeah, it's a bit harsh. I mean, it's just it's it's more (laughs) like a lack of clarity or um, not being willing to like own a a portion
1: of. That's yeah. That's I think that's a little bit more accurate. It's like being crystal clear. Like I'm on nine years in my in my agency, and uh, you know, over the course of the years, we've had all sorts of clients and customers and all that sort of stuff. But I think through time, maybe people get there faster than me. But like, at some point, you arrive at a point when you know exactly who your clients are, and who they're not. And you can spot them a mile away, like, these are not my people. So yeah, I think it's just getting crystal clear on who exactly your people are, which, which is really the first part of branding, you know, like, I'll give you like the macro view for people listening, if they really want when you get past all the mindset stuff, like I'll simplify the entire branding process for you in like under a minute or two. I'll do my best, right? Um, Because I actually call this thing called the simplification method. It's sort of our signature process, but it basically starts with understanding the who, what, and why, which is who are your target audiences? What's the problem you solve for them? And then why should they listen to you? Why they should believe you? Why they should buy from you? So that's the first phase. And then the next phase is positioning your brand. And if you think about if you think about a Venn diagram, there's three parts to positioning your brand. It's gotta be something that is credible, something that you can credibly own. It's gotta be something that is unique or different in the category, like in the industry and the space. Right. So whether you're in the coaching industry, whether you're in the real estate industry, whether you're in consulting or tech or education? What differentiates you in the category? And then thirdly, what is relevant to the target audiences? What is it that they care the most about? And it's the intersection of credibility, unique and different and uh, relevant that is where you want to best position your brand. And then once you get clear on your brand positioning, the third phase is to amplify that. And you amplify that through three areas, visually, verbally, and experientially. So visually, obviously, is like how you look. And this is where you get into like logos and websites and colors and photography. But visually, how you look, verbally, like how you speak and what you say and the thing and the tonality in which you say it. And then experientially, which is how do you interact? How do you behave with with people? And if you have an online business, how does your website, be, you know, what's the brand experience or what's the customer experience that people have? And it becomes like that becomes a through line. Your brand is a through line across all of that, like the who, what, and why, credible, relevant, different, and then visual, verbal, experiential is really the brand building continuum in two minutes or less. You can tie me on that. <laughs> That's good. Branding <laughs> 101. I love it.
0: In terms of, You know, a lot of people listening to this, a lot of my clients, uh, there's always this goal of making a difference Mm -hmm. or having an impact, which I think is a worthwhile goal. And that's why a lot of people want to get into business. They want to do something that has more of an impact or make more of a difference. But it can be a little bit ethereal. Mm. And in your experience on both sides, one, you have a business that is impact driven. And two, you're helping people go from, I want to make an impact to going, what impact does it do you want to make, or what impact do you make? How have you navigated that, you know, on both sides of that?
1: Yeah. So I think this sort of um, echoes back to the first phase I was talking about. It's like okay, just consistent with what I was saying before and connecting all the dots. It always, for me, it always comes back to why do you want to make a difference? It comes right. back to that why I said before. Yeah, one step before, like why do you want to make a difference? Everyone says it but why do you want to make a difference? And then you figure out who do you want to make a difference? Going back to the who, what, and why. Who do you want to make a difference for? Who exactly (laughs) the target audiences you want to make a difference for? And then, okay, if you want to make a difference for them, what's the problem or problems that you're solving for them? That's how you make a difference. You make a difference in people's lives by solving their problems. And then the last thing is, okay, let's say you're solving the problem of hunger or let's say you're solving the problem of poverty. Okay, well, why should people listen to you to help solve that problem? What is it about you that you're bringing to the table that can uniquely or or credibly or, I don't know, like what is it about you that can solve that problem? So I basically break down something that is really ethereal in your words, mm-hmm. to something that's very practical. Tangible. And tangible. I think that's the work that a lot of people avoid
0: in my experience because it feels good to want to make a difference and it feels noble. And breaking it down and making it tangible feels a bit kind of icky or a bit businessy, or a bit mm. analytical.
1: I mean, that's definitely one way of looking at it. I would definitely say it, it actually just makes it more clear and grounded. Totally, and that's I think that <laughs> point, right? It's like it actually, if you want to make a difference and want to make an impact, that's actually how you have to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think sometimes we we can overcomplicate things. I'm big on simplification, but that yeah. that is really simply it if you want to make a difference. But it's, it really, when I go back to the why, I mean, listen, there are some people who want to support organizations or nonprofits and have an impact because they want. I'm going to be really extreme for a moment and this might piss off some people, I don't know. But some people might be doing that as a marketing lever. They might be using it as a marketing tool to show that they are a good organization and so more people buy from them. That's on one side of the spectrum. But usually, or at least a lot of people that I know, they're usually making an impact, making a difference, and they're not so braggadocio about it, you know, they're like, they just, they just do that because it's not a marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. It's not a marketing ploy. It's intrinsic. You know, when I think about Ellen, right? Like Ellen, uh, of all, she supports so many causes and she's so humble about it. She's not really, you know, it's not what she talks about all day long. It's not in her marketing. Mm -hmm. I respect that. I respect that when people do something noble or worthy and, and impact oriented, and they're not necessarily looking for the recognition. It's because it's just part of who they are.
0: Beautiful. Right. I just <laughs> looked at the time. We're racing, <laughs> race for fifty minutes. Oh now. man! Um, you have it's, talk it's, all yeah. super quick. Yeah. Uh, where do people
1: find you if they want to learn more about your business and the impact you're making? Yeah, and I realize that we, you know, we definitely talked a lot about the mindset of it, but it, mostly I definitely want people to, when they're listening in on this, is they're really looking at. At least from my view, branding as a way of being, as a philosophy, as a discipline and an approach that can completely transform the trajectory of your business or your life. So, you know, if that way of approaching branding appeals to you, we'd love for you to check out more. Uh, it's, we're just brandingforthepeople.com. Uh, Nine years ago when I came up with that name, I was like, let me see if the domain was available. And it was. I got it, I think, for like five bucks. Um, So yeah, just branding for, F-O-R, not the number four, brandingforthepeople.com. Awesome. Thanks, Ray.
0: We'll put that in the show notes as well. Last question. What is your
1: dark side? And how do you embrace it? I knew this question was going to be coming. (laughs) I love that. I was listening to some of the other interviews that you've done on on this. Um, (sighs) Level vulnerability varies greatly, (laughs) person to person. You know, I have, you know, I think it works to my advantage and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I think one of my dark sides is that I think I have a very uh, addictive personality. You know, I talk about branding being about this emotional connection and all this sort of stuff. But uh, a lot of times I lead with emotions and don't get me wrong, I obviously run a business and sometimes I need to lead with, like, strategy and so forth, but, you know, um, sometimes for me that translates if I'm being really honest, which sensibly I always am, right, Nathan? Um, but, <laughs> but if I'm really telling the truth, you know, for me that can translate to emotional eating, escapism, you know, like, I can get addicted. Like, this, this sounds weird and it probably sounds like first world problems, but like, you know, sometimes when, you know, I'm technically an introvert. And so like when I do a lot of speaking or when I'm out there projecting uh, who I am, sometimes I kind of recline in and I go and I'll get addicted to like doing massages, getting massages or, or acupuncture, a lot of self-care. But, you know, it can be, like I said, but the addictive, I can be addicted to food. (laughs) Thankfully, I'm not addicted to like alcohol or drugs or, you know, anything like that. And, and everyone's addicted to a feeling, right? Yeah. It's addicted to a feeling. It's addicted to like, you know, and, and I think it's, a, it's also, yeah, I don't know if it's just one or two, but they are interconnected. But like being like an escapist, you know, maybe if I followed astrology, if I really said, oh, this is an astro- astrological characteristic, mm-hmm. you know, Pisces are known for being, you know, escape artists or escapists. But I think I do know that to be about myself. Sometimes I just want to escape a situation in a very healthy way, I think. And maybe sometimes it can be, it can be unhealthy, which is why I said it's, it's put it on the category of a dark side. I think just being aware of that way of being about myself, you know, helps me to sort of control and get back on track. If I find myself emotionally eating or overeating or consuming in too much stuff, you know? Yeah.
0: I, I so get that. It's like, I think the awareness helps, right? Like on the, Last weekend, I was really overwhelmed, very overwhelmed by New York, too many people, too much noise. And I was like, I think I just want to watch Netflix in bed all weekend. Mm, and, yeah. but I'm, I'm going to choose to, it's 100% escape. It's 100% numbing. I don't want to feel all this overwhelm yeah. anymore. And, but I'm going to do it consciously rather than kind of just fall into a habit of doing it all the time. And I just yeah. like took the weekend out, buried myself in Game of Thrones, the stupid show. And, um, <laughs> It was amazing, right? Like I came out of it on Monday morning go cool, like I really needed that and I chose yeah. it and I did it and there was a limit on it.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that, being able to just embrace that you are intentionally escapism, rather than making it wrong, right? Like,
0: Well, yeah, I mean, like fighting it never helps, right? Like you just end up eventually exploding and, you know, doing it in unhealthy ways. So like that's yeah. why I always put the second part of the question is like, how do you embrace your dark side? Mm. And I think that that's one way I embrace it. I was like, oh, well, I don't try to fight it, but I just try to I try to guide it (laughs) in certain directions. I love that. I love that. Yeah, great. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for sharing. I love you. Love your business. uh, (laughs)
1: It's been lovely chatting with you. Well, right back at you, Nathan. I love the work that you're doing. the, The people that you're interviewing. The impact you're making. And and all of who you are. And I'm so grateful, really, for James Butler for for who he was and who he attracted into his life because we would you and i probably maybe we would have met apparently we have like over 500 common friends uh, <laughs> on social media thanks but eventually me. we would have met but i'm I'm really grateful that we met through james butler and we had an opportunity to connect you're a great human being so thanks for having me on your thank show thank you yeah it's a pleasure thank you right and come back and
0: see us again <laughs> will do cheers <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have uh, an amazing week. Thanks for tuning in. Leave any uh, comments that you want, and we'll try to uh, get back to those as soon as possible. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, and I'll be reading the best one, and someone will get a copy of The Dalek Soak by Brian Holiday. Alright, guys. Uh, love you all. Have a fantastic week, and I'll be back next week with episode 81 of The a Show. That was the Nathan Seawood Show,
1: inspiring you to live an extraordinary life.